Welcome to The Leap. I'm Matthew. With me is Micah. What's up, Micah? Hello, everyone. So each week, we split the podcast into two parts. The second part of the podcast, we talk about players we think are making The Leap. For the first part, we pick a game of the week. We both watch where we try to key in on the more obscure players, the not-quite-yet superstars, and then come here to talk about it. So that's where we're going to start. This week, we watched the Portland Trailblazers against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And the Blazers won 120 to 115. Tell me, was the game that close, Micah? And why did we watch this game? <laughs> no, uh, the game was not that close at all. Portland was handling them by uh, 15 or 20 for most of the game until the fourth. Uh, and yeah, we watched it because, I don't know, I wanted to see what uh, OKC would look like without uh, with resting Westbrook and Durant. Did you know going to the game that that was happening? I didn't at all. I just assumed, okay. just because it's a somewhat meaningless game for them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Portland, pretty interesting team also. Very interesting. This game that they won against the Thunder clinched their uh, playoff hopes, basically. So we'll see where they end up, but they are in the playoffs. Um, but they looked good. I mean, in the first half, they were doing everything right moving the ball around the court to each other. They had 18 assists on 23 made field goals with like three minutes left in the second quarter. It's a thing we've seen from them all season, but it's always a sight to behold when you actually watch it too, you know? (laughs) Yeah, well, on offense, they're completely in sync, but on defense, they're almost even more in sync to me. Mm. Just because they're, um, like on offense, they have, okay, they have Lillard and McCollum who are just, I mean, as good handling the ball and shooting as any guards in the league, frankly. I'm not saying they're the best guards, but they're just natural talent uh, when it comes to scoring. Uh, but on defense, you know, they don't have any shot blockers really at all. Dude, they're, let's see. Okay, so they're fifth uh, from the bottom in steals. They're lower half of the league in blocks, uh, but they're 11th in defensive rating. And they're sixth best in the league in uh, allowing the fewest points in the paint. Wow. Yeah, um, Ed Davis has been big for them. And he didn't even hardly play. Exactly. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he was in foul trouble for this game. Yep. I guess the, the thing that impresses me is like Plumlee never gets caught out of position, basically. And Harkless and Aminu are just murder. Uh, on They're like they can play on the wing and in the paint a little bit. They're good at the quick double in the paint. Um, so Portland, even though they don't have any like big bodies in the paint at all, they play really excellent paint defense, which is surprising. And especially good in this game because OKC, we were talking about resting Westbrook and Durant. Yeah. All they had was, it was cancer. All bigs. Yeah. You know, uh, so Portland basically, yeah, they played really well against that style. That's interesting for you to say. I mean, they've been clicking on offense. They're seventh in the league in offensive rating. But yeah, I think what was more impressive was their defense. And also what was super impressive to me was just their overall demeanor. Every guy knows what he's going to do. Exactly. Every guy is really calm and chill. And you have to basically chalk that up to Dame Lillard and Terry Stotts. Dude, Terry Stotts is coach of the year for sure, right? There's a lot of them. There's like four or five that you could make a case for. But this is my question for you. Uh, since this is the leap and we're talking about players mm. and teams making yes. you know leaps up and down, what team has made a bigger leap from what they were expected to do early in the season to now. Chicago Bulls. No, well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) 
Portland is made of positively. The Bulls and and the Houston Rockets are definitely tied for hugest uh, disappointments this year. Yeah. But but other than Portland, who has exceeded expectations more? Charlotte Hornets and Portland Trailblazers would be the but two even, that I would lock in on. Right. And even Charlotte has been, you know, for the last two or three years, they've been supposed to be getting better. Yep. This is the year finally came through. Portland, we talked about them earlier in the year. We did a Portland game. They looked terrible to me earlier mm-hmm. in the year. Uh, and they've really figured out the rotations. And like you say, everyone is locked in on offense and defense. Yep. Uh, even though they're like, uh, I, I don't know, short on talent, basically. Yeah, I mean, to your point, this is the first team in NBA history to clinch a playoff spot in a season where they only returned two players, which is Lillard and Kamen, oh. that played a thousand or more minutes the previous season. Oh, only two guys back on the team that played a decent amount of minutes, one of which doesn't even play for them really at all this year, which is Chris Kamen. Yeah. Unbelievable. And what you're saying is is perfect. This is the leap, and they made the biggest leap this year of any team. Especially, you know, we were talking about them as like a lottery team, or everyone was talking about them as oh, yeah. like a lock uh, to be a mess just for the next year or two. And like you, we were talking uh, earlier before we started recording about uh, their salary cap situation yes. and how they're kind of, you can take it from here, but storing up, preparing to sign people, it seems like, right? They're, they're really good in their cap situation. I mean, they've got a war chest. Uh, we were talking just about the cap in general. Um, this year, it's $67 million. Next year, it's projected to be $89 million. So you're basically adding uh, a spot for a max player. The year after that, 2017-2018, it goes up to 108, which basically adds space for a whole nother max player. Right. Their salary cap sheet looks so sweet right now. So in 2018-2019, that season, just three seasons away, they only have two guys on the books, one of which is Damian Lillard, the other which is Alfarik Aminu. And he's at a nice contract. He's at $7.5 million that year. Uh the 2017-2018 year, the year before that, it's Dame Lillard, Al Farouk Aminu, Ed Davis on the last year of his $7 million a year contract, uh, Noah Vonley on the last year of his rookie deal, uh, Louis Montero and Pat, I don't even know how to say Pat's name. Connaughton? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. He's the Notre Dame guy, right? Notre Dame guy, yeah. yeah. They're at a million each, so they've got six guys on the books two years from now two of which are throwaway contracts and two yeah, of which are amazing contracts with al farouk and ed davis one of which is your franchise player and then the other is the last year of a rookie deal for noah vonley unbelievable 52 million uh on their salary cap that year they're gonna have to re-sign mccollum at some point to a big contract yep but they're looking good man but besides for McCollum, I mean, yeah, uh, Aminu, he's their other really important guy. Um, Harkless has improved a lot, too. I mean, Harkless should get a big deal or a decent deal. Oh, yeah. Um, and but he, he's up after this year, too. So I guess I'm saying besides for McCollum, there's no one else on the roster that's going to demand huge money. Yeah. So they're definitely going to be able to bring in somebody from the outside pretty you br- easily. You bring up Harkless. I mean, I was watching that game and... I was very, very impressed with him. This is the last year of his deal. He's making a little under $3 million. He's 22 years old. I mean, he stepped it up at the end with a big bucket and two big defensive plays. His stat line for the game was 28 minutes, 14 points, five assists, three steals, one block. He was plus 18 for the game, the highest on his team or even the other team. This guy looks good. 
Uh And he's 22 years old, and he's just starting to kind of, like, find his place. And he's, like I said, you know, he teams up perfectly with Aminu, because even though they're both slightly skinny to be guarding post players, they're very long and disruptive, and they team up perfectly together. They just swarm people. Yeah, it's beautiful. Harkless reminds me a lot of Paul George. I know that's, like, a weird comparison, because Paul George is so much better. See, I get uh, Tobias Harris vibes from uh, Harkless a little mm, bit. Okay, okay. Or like he—he's not as smooth with the ball, but he can yeah. kind of develop. He's got skills. He's gotten way better at shooting, anyway. Speaking of developing with the ball, Aminu. I mean, yeah. that guy can handle the rock now, and that was one of the main things he couldn't do coming into this season that and people shooting, were waiting for. I mean, he shoot, looks awesome. Yeah, dude, and shooting the three also—that was his. Uh, another big weakness for him. And now, yeah, this game, uh, let's see. So he took the first four shots of the game for mm, Portland. Baller. And you could, well, right. But you could also tell that, you know, Oklahoma city, but also most teams probably it's in their scouting report to let Aminu yeah. sh- shoot basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he took the first four shots, including, uh, one for three from downtown. He was two for four from three point arc, uh, in the first five minutes. Um, so, he was taking advantage, basically, which he didn't used to be able to do. Yeah, crazy stat line from him, too. 27 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, 1 block. And uh, he was 100% on fast breaks on going hard to his Euro step. So that was pretty <laughs> fun to see. Pretty it's, unguardable no. still, even if you know it's coming. Yeah, he's going to have to come up with a counter move pretty quickly. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Did you also notice, if, if, since we're talking about uh, you know obscure players, Josh Eustis played his third game of the year for I didn't Oklahoma even City. Who it was until the fourth quarter? Yeah, yeah. You remember him now though from college, right? Yeah. A little bit. A little bit more, more so the whole draft day saga, basically. Well, yeah, Josh Eustis career high six points, six rebounds in this game, two, two, two for two from downtown. But, you know, he looked pretty slick and ready to go, even though this is his third game of the year. But it was also making me wonder, uh, Kyle Singler, the guy who's playing above Eustis, ostensibly, you know, six, eight, small forward slash playing power forward sometimes. What is Kyle Singler? Why is Kyle Singler in the league, dude? What does he do that's better than anyone else in the league? I can't tell. I mean, speaking of contracts, that one looks bad, even though bad, it was right? very reasonable when he signed it. Oh, yeah. man, that one looks bad. That guy, he's going to be playing in Turkey in like a year, right? Or whenever the deal is up. He's got like a four-year deal or something, I think. Four it's years? Like, yeah, it's like a longer, oh. reasonable deal, like a four or five. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> um, oh, yeah. Here's another uh, stat for you. Oklahoma City. Uh, I think, you know, you can agree that a, they're a close second to like most conservative white middle America fan base besides... <laughs> behind utah maybe right <laughs> yeah. but oklahoma, oklahoma city ironically also has uh the most islamic team in the league did you know that oh wow other than Cantor, who else dude they got Cantor. they got your boy nazi muhammad on the mm-hmm. bench oh. and Dion waiters a devout muslim you might not realize wow and, Can- yeah. and uh adams could probably pass for anything <laughs> <laughs> right and russell westbrook I don't know. You know, he's probably like a Zoroastrian or something like that. He just makes up his own religion. Um, but yeah. Nice tip. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and speaking of Cantor, I mean, that dude is just a one-man wrecking crew on offense. Dude. He had 35 so, minutes, 33 points, 20 rebounds. The end of the third quarter, when, you know, we were talking about how this game wasn't like a five-point game the whole time, what brought it back was the end of the third quarter, he just turned the on switch 
and Oklahoma City went on a 19-6 run, and he just took over from there, basically, for them. Dude, he had 33-20 and 20 in this game, uh, but somehow it was like, it was dominant when he was in. He played 35 minutes, but he also, you know, they were talking about this on the Portland broadcast, it seems like he gets winded, and that's probably because he just mm. doesn't play a lot of minutes normally. Mm. Um, but he played 19 minutes in the first half, and then in the third quarter, they didn't bring him out. He didn't even start the third quarter. No. Uh, so clearly he was just tired <laughs> um, or else they might have actually pulled this game out because he was dominant when he was in. Yeah, it was weird. I didn't know if it was because for some reason Billy wanted to get him back on his like normal kind of cadence to the game or, or what it was. Probably something like that, too. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. If this was like 2006 instead of 2016, Cantor would be like one of the best players in the league. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Right? Yes. Just when it comes to offense, I mean, his defense is not great, but yeah, he's just a classically dominant scoring big man. Yeah, Cantor and Okafor going forward, Jaleel Okafor for the Sixers. It'll yeah. be interesting to see their place in the league the yeah. next couple of years. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Not getting his doo doo. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's leap then, dude. Let's leap. up my mans all right dude so first one uh a former portland trailblazer thomas robinson he's having a good week good couple weeks here uh he's let's see over the last six games he's had six straight double doubles putting up 15 and 13 over that time uh which also include of those 13 rebounds a game he's getting seven offensive rebounds a game over the last six uh, which says something about his motor and just, you know, whatever, aggressiveness, but also says something about how Brooklyn Nets are horrible and can't <laughs> shoot the ball. Right. There's a lot of offensive rebounds available, basically. Yes. Um, yeah, so Thomas Robinson, uh, nicknames Truck, <laughs> a.k.a. Heart T-Rob. Did you know that was his nickname in college? Heart no. T-Rob, like no. Heartthrob. But, uh, yeah. Uh, but so even though he's even though his production is way up, uh, he's he's only gotten one block in the last six games, hmm. and he's shooting thirty four percent from the line, the free throw line. Ugh. Um, so he's able to do a couple things well. Uh, basically, this leap is he. This is his sixth team in in his fourth season. He was drafted fifth overall, uh, above Damian Lillard. I might add. Oh. Um, so just the hugest disappointment in every way, basically. Right. Uh, without maybe this last run of six games where he's playing. Okay. He'd probably be in China next year. Yeah. But I think, so this leap is like leapt back into (laughs) Into some, some relevance, you know, he'll still be playing in summer league, trying to get on somebody's team, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I don't know. He's still somewhat useful. Mm. Um, so kind of a mini leap there. But then I've got another mini leap, um, Shabazz Muhammad from the Minnesota Timberwolves. This is a guy that's kind of has a special place in your heart a little bit, right? I wouldn't say that. No. Why? Why do you say that? I don't know. You 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 think you think I like all Islamic players now? (laughs) Yeah, we're on that theme. We're on that (laughs) tip right now. I don't know. Not that you have like some uh, hard on for him or something, but. I don't know. In summer league, when we were watching, you were very impressed with him. Not because you just innately like him, but I think you're impressed by his game a little bit. He's the kind of guy, yeah, that like, I don't know. I could just see him, a scout, seeing him play in some empty gym somewhere, and he just looks like an NBA player. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's very polished 
with his ball handling, his shooting. He just looks very smooth uh, and natural. Yeah. Um, he's got major flaws to his game. He's got a little bit of the Lance Stevenson tunnel vision kind of <laughs> where he like decides really early on what he's going to do with the ball and then is a little bit predictable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he had uh, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves beat Golden State Warriors. Uh, he had 35 points in that game. Career high, obviously. He shot 9 for 12 from the field and 15 of 17 from the line. Um, a little bit of a, a aberration there in stats, you know, abnormality. But uh, he's very aggressive attacking the bucket. He's a good shooter. Yeah. He's kind of the forgotten man in Minnesota right now. Yeah. Because of his game, it basically his game is so similar to Andrew Wiggins. Hmm. Um, and they already have uh, other point guards. So they're kind of stacked on the wing, and his game doesn't mesh with the other guards very well. Yeah. So I don't know if they'll be re-signing him, uh, but he's going to be very useful as like a Jamal Crawford sixth-man bench scorer mm. uh, in the next couple years. Nice. I like him. Obscure players. I dig it. Um, but yeah, he's he's not getting uh, minutes at all this year, though. He's only played 30 minutes eight times, Yeah. even though he's averaging 21.5 points over those eight games. So when he gets minutes, he produces. But. Let me set you up for a stupid question. Please. Is he a modern NBA player? Yeah, I mean, no, that's a great point. Exactly. He, uh, yes, but he, like I say, his game doesn't mesh with everyone. He's yeah. a modern NBA player in the sense that, yeah, he fits this, everything is roles now and clearly defined roles, sure. right? Like we've talked about. So yeah, he would fit the role of bench score, right? Mm -hmm. Coming in with the second unit and just give him the ball and he'll, attack a lot on offense yep. which sets up guys for open shots and just he'll be like the focal point of the second unit yes he's not going to be good enough to be like the focal point of the first unit ever yep and if you put him in with the first unit he tends to jack shots a little yep. bit too much and throw things off so that would be the role totally in the modern agree. Yep. but in, but yeah 10 years ago he'd yeah. be like more dominant yeah he'd be everything yeah who you got i got one that's a little bit early okay i just <laughs> wanted to get it out there okay <laughs> so i got three points about this basically but i feel like we're at the end of the michael jordan era oh yeah and there's three it's things over. that yeah there's three things he, re he retired years ago matt <laughs> <laughs> still got that shoe money though yeah <laughs> so in like a really broad perspective there's three things that this hinges on for me obviously he's retired but he still kind of lingers over the league and has lingered over it since he retired but there's three things happening this year kobe it's his last year so that kind of jordan type player and mentality yeah is retiring this year. That's oh. why Kobe's getting the farewell tour, you know, because everyone is missing. Ooh. He's going to miss that time That's in the league's point. history, basically. That's you know? a good point. Yeah. He's the last guy to represent that. Uh, LeBron is not the best player in basketball anymore. So the Jordan type, you know, super, super athlete kind of overpower you, uh, take you on his back to a championship in a certain way. He's not the best uh, basketball player on the planet anymore. And I mean, then, I would I would still say that he is, but Steph is like, I mean, I don't know. I think LeBron is still the best basketball player on the planet. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying, Steph is like taking the mantle of like most important somehow or something, you know? Yeah, and then the third point would be the Warriors possibly potentially 
breaking the Bulls record for most wins in a season. Right. I feel like from just like a meta narrative perspective, all those things syncing up in the same year kind of put that chapter to a close. Dude, I can't believe you didn't even mention the crying Jordan meme. (laughs) I hate that meme. I'm sorry. We're at odds on this. But I mean, just on a symbolic level, I think that says it all right there. The fact that everyone is just piling on (laughs) to that, you know, it kind of shows that like, yeah, MJ is, uh, I don't know, he represents the old guard, you know? So people like to make fun of him because he's had this sort of impenetrable mythological, you know, facade. Yeah. So uh, I feel like that era is coming to a close. The Kobe, LeBron, that type of player. And we're now getting ushered into, I feel like this is the year that it actually like, changes from a narrative perspective you know it's been happening since the suns and even before that since uh white chocolate jason williams and stuff (laughs) but this is kind of the year that i'm looking at it and saying like oh this narrative is like dovetailing perfectly into this year with those three things kobe retiring lebron not the best player on the planet anymore arguably and the warriors tying or beating the bulls uh single season wins record and even talking about the best player on the planet you think about just the mvp voting how much that is changing where we've got steph is going to win the mvp again lebron's probably going to end up in second but the third person in the mvp voting is probably going to be Kawhi leonard and that type of person in the old era doesn't get mvp voting i don't know that's yeah no i really i really can't argue with that yeah so i guess the question is like do you think that that's positive negative you don't care either way I don't care either way. Yeah, I feel like we're going into some postmodern version of basketball and stars now. Dude, totally. Yeah, I mean, things are more system-oriented and less, like, old-school, tri- you need a strong tribal leader to control everyone, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, Which is the same reason now you see coaches that are a lot less, you know, a guy like Tom Thibodeau, for instance, is sort of more authoritarian style, yeah. you know? Yeah. Just doesn't fly anymore. The coach now has to be you know, as good and close with the players as he is with the front office mm. and management. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I So I, I always go back and forth on this. You know, it's like I'm going to miss the dominant single player. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? The, the guy that just the Michael Jordan that just takes over and yeah. makes everyone else better. But at the same time, I don't know, a more like quick passing shooting game is like more aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. So it's hard to say. There's more consistency but like a little bit less sort of personality or you know because even though like yeah the the game is way more wide open like yeah. we always kind of wanted it to be as kids you know yeah. what i mean yeah just run up and down the court shoot threes you yeah. know everyone agrees that's the most fun version of basketball yeah but when you have this system that's so it's more strict you know mm-hmm. um there's less chance for like a single person you know what I mean? To yeah. kind of like put his surprising stamp on the game. And yeah. that's sad. That's like legitimately a little bit sad, but yeah. it's like a trade-off. That's all. You yeah. Do. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll, we'll wander into this new world together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. Well, thanks for leaping with me. Yeah, man. Thanks. Uh, everyone out there, you can support us by subscribing on iTunes or leaving a nice review. And we will talk to y'all next week. Peace. Bye-bye.